Welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Damon Ossifer with your host, Paul Frederick. It says we're being recorded now. So, welcome, friends and fellow Damons, to another episode of Damonosophy. My guest today is author J.J. Simple, who's written many excellent books regarding the ancient Chinese Taoist text known as Secret of the Golden Flower. He's written Secret of the Golden Flower, a Kundalini Meditation Method, and the backward flowing method the secret of life and death and uh what is it uh, un- unraveling one step at a time deciphering right? the golden flower one secret at a time right one secret at a time which is like i haven't gotten to it yet but it's next on my list so so uh jj welcome to the show uh thank you very much for inviting me i appreciate it yeah, definitely. I'm so excited that we're actually talking because um, I so I have to give some I'll give some context first for uh, why we're having this conversation for my uh, listeners here. So I um, have done a, uh, a sitting meditation practice sort of thing for, you know, oh, maybe about 10 years, like really like not not really uh, consistently, you know. Once every couple of weeks, you know, stuff like that. Then about two years ago, I'd kind of like turned up the dial on this for various reasons. And I started doing it more intensively, like half hour every day. Um, so I started to get to the point where um, it was habitual. Like if I wasn't going to do it in the morning, then I would notice it. Right. And so I just was really doing it regularly. I was pushing, put it, you know, put other things out of the way, you know, to, to make sure that I have this time. And then around November or so, I had an experience during my morning sitting, which I can't fully get into everything that happened with it, but there was something uniquely different about it and the impression of it it stayed with me for a long time afterwards. It's like, what was that? And I kept like going back to the, sen- the, the sensation of it. And there was something different about my, my breathing and like the directedness of my, of my breath and some, some other things like that. And so a few months later, um, I started thinking about remembering this book, Secret of the Golden Flower, which I'd read like, a, like, like 20 years ago, I'd read this book. And, and I thought it was, it was interesting, but, um, and, and there's some nice concepts in it, but, you know, it didn't, it didn't really, really stick. But for some reason, I started thinking about this book again in relation to my experiences. And I thought, I need to go back and, and read this again. So I went back and read it again. And, and it's the Wilhelm, the Wilhelm uh, Carl Jung uh, version. I went back and read it again. And right away, there were certain things in it that were like, Oh no, that's what I, I understand what that means now. That that applies to my experience. And then I started to want to know what do other people do? Have people written books about this? So I started searching for books about Secret of the Golden Flower. 
and I found and I found your books, JJ. And I started reading the the two that I mentioned, the uh, uh, Kundalini meditation method and backward flowing method. And and again, it's just like wow, it's like a diary. It's like a it's it, it's like stuff that's just just hit, hitting the nail right on the head. So so that's my context. And so I'm so excited that we actually connected and talked and that we're uh, having this conversation now. So with that, I'm gonna open it up to you. What do you what do you think about all of that? Well, I think uh, my time of carrying the load uh, of uh, uh, Gopi Krishna's legacy is about over, and you guys, your age group, is going to keep the, uh, running the ball down the field and making this knowledge more uh, widespread and more uh, understandable to the next generation of meditators or searchers or seekers, especially given the environment that we live in presently uh, that's so adversarial. We need to stop that uh, and we need to be progressive in the right way. And part of that is looking inward. It's a frontier that we've never really examined. I don't mean in medical terms, uh, but in uh, metaphysical terms. Yeah, so here, so what you said about looking inward. And and this is another thing that uh, resonated when I started reading your stuff is that you like to refer to uh, P.D. Ospensky every once in a while. You're familiar with Ospensky and you've seen some interesting like correlations there. And his teacher, uh, G.I. Gurdjieff, once said, and, and Ospensky probably said the same thing, too, that um, that war and 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 mankind's proclivity to war um, is something that will only ever go away or only ever end if people uh, start to look inward, if people start to be start to try to become conscious. But as man is right now, with no interest in no interest in consciousness or looking inward and everything is focused outward, war is simply something that's like we're we're guaranteed. We're guaranteed um war and violence as the the state of humanity well uh the two are complementary um looking inside and uh, uh kundalini in other words gurdjieff's uh technique of self-remembering uh works very well with because kundalini isn't the end or be all of self-development it's something that just starts the nervous system going in a, in a wonderfully new and uh, uh, kind of secret way that it unlocks these, these uh, capabilities inside the human body that people have ignored until that time. But once those uh, power, the power of Kundalini is active in the body, you can still use uh, self-remembering as a technique uh, to train yourself in self-control, really, which is one of the 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 big the, the big the secret of life on Earth is self-control. Um, and uh, we're in an era where people have just lost all sense of self-control and just go out, whether it's shouting or screaming or sh or raining bullets down on on each other. 
So yes, Gurdjieff is uh, and and Ospensky. Uh, I got into them after I'd uh, activated Kundalini, but they uh, I saw the synergy almost right away. Yeah, definitely. Now you're so we're talking about the word uh, Kundalini here. And that word is not doesn't appear in Secret of the Golden Flower. Could you talk a little bit about how how these how these ideas connected for you? Well, I really, uh, you know, the I, I haven't spent a whole lot of time on terminology because I've I find it the bane of spiritual uh, uh, research because everybody's got their own terms that they lock onto and won't give up. And uh, and so th therefore they can't communicate because they're locked into these terms. Uh, but in this case, uh, I think it's uh, it, it merits uh, a certain examination. So you have the Chinese qi and you have, I guess in English, I would say life force and uh, you know, somebody's, I mean, look at, in pop culture, we have the light force. May the force be with you. Mm -hmm. uh, so the human brain has projected this these capabilities outs, outside of uh, any known uh, proof or evidence that they exist uh, just from our imaginations. But they do exist, but in many different forms. Uh, Kundalini being, and it's not a term that I, that I particularly like or and not a term that Many like because it is very, uh, it's got this mysticism aspect to it that people may not like or agree with. Um, but it's the, it's the best term that, that we have at the moment because life force is almost, a, a, you know, too much of a, of a whatever, you know, just a, a common term that uh, people think, well, it's not real. Uh, I don't know what they mean. Oh, yes, I think I have the life force. I, I just made love 10 times to my wife. Or, uh, that was a life force experience. Uh, yeah. So another interesting an interesting thing here about the terminology, and, and I agree with you, that's, that's the problem with a lot of, of, of seeking and, 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 and schools and spiritual seeking is everyone wants to come come up with their own word and their own terminology to describe something that's really ancient and or, or that's really universal. And this can kind of be a barrier or a, or a distraction. Well, um, well, there's only, I mean, if there is a God, how could there be more than one God? It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there were more than one God, they'd be fighting at the in, in wherever it is they lived on Mount Olympus or in heaven. And uh, so it becomes ridiculous. So we have one set of, of, of phenomenon, which is the human body. And we start, and this whole study of Kundalini or life force starts with the physical, with physiology. And the, the profane moves to the sacred, or in other words, the physical moves to the metaphysical. Uh, but for not without some kind of struggle uh, or even accidental struggle to activate these uh, this force, this life force or this Kundalini, which is just an energy, a latent hidden energy uh, in the human body that can be awakened, mm -hmm. whether it be by accident, by a blow on the head or by meditation where progressively uh, 
you begin to sense these energy centers at, at work and you begin to be able to the con control them sort of, you know, not, I, I, you don't want to control them, but you, you want them, if once detected these sensations, you want this energy that meditation can produce or induce in certain locations like the base of the spine, and you want to be able to move it up to the brain. And the right meditation will help you do that because it will draw this energy up to, into the brain rather than you forcing it. You might feel it at the base of the spine, and now you're going to make an effort to force it up, the, which you can do, but there are, there are uh, circuits in this, along the spine uh, that you don't want it to go up to because it'll produce a, a kind of uh, a negative effect physically on your body. And uh, you've got to get it going up the right uh, path. And I was able to do that with the medicine, with the meditation that I practiced, the meditation techniques that are exposed. And I say that you got to kind of rip into them uh, in the secret of the golden flower. You got to separate the wheat from, from the chaff. And I mean, it's, the meditation method and the Buddhist ideology that's just uh, in there that you really serves no purpose. And I go into that in my book uh, um, on uh, the, uh, ex the explanation that's dedicated to explaining the secret of the golden flower. Uh, and both Cleary and, and um, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Wilhelm. The, Wilhelm and Jung uh, support that, that there's a lot of unnecessary Buddhist dogma in, in the secret of the golden flower. So you could cut it. It's not a long book, but you could cut it down in half when you eliminate or just pass over those Buddhist uh, uh, ideology passages. Now, that's interesting. And that's one of, one of the things that I really appreciated about the two books of yours that I've that I've read on the subject is that your handling over over it is so so direct, so to the point, so uh, easily uh, digestible. There's no excessive uh, mysticism. There's no there's no uh, ac acad academic. I know more. Well, guess what? I know more about this than any than than you'll ever know, and 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 it's clearly based upon your direct um, on your experience. It's all very experiential. Like what you you uh, it, it, at one point you talk about you make a distinction between a rational approach and an epicurean approach. And the interesting you know thing about that is that in, in the West we place such a huge emphasis on the rational mind and reason. Like if I'm going to write a book about something, oh, it's got to be rational and reasonable, like above everything else. And yet. Using the ma rational mind, people come up with completely opposite and bizarre conclusions about things that aren't necessarily based on evidence or, or direct experience. And I think you also quote the the famous uh, Ospinsky line of I, you know, I, I, I ask you to believe nothing you cannot verify yourself. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I love that line. It's so true. You uh -huh. must. You, yeah. You you must double check everything. I don't know what's. Uh, Verify everything you see, all of every all the information coming to the senses. You've mm -hmm. got to verify yourself. Which in today's world, with all these various 
methods and ideas are floating around no one bothers to do. Right. Uh, they just get taken in wholesale, uh, whether it's a huge thing like Jonestown or some of these uh, other type of, uh, uh, and there are many of them, uh, of uh, little small groups. I had a very good friend, uh, uh, well, I still have her, but she is a British lady who um, was a, uh, was very interested from birth in spiritual matters and uh, joined a Buddhist group in London, and she did followed all the things. She humbled herself in front of him and the guy that was a leader, only to find out fi after five years that he had been doing all the things that these these people classically do, like ex extorting money, uh, screwing the women. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, yeah, so uh, that's when it, you know verifying everything you see here and feel before you get into it which my saying it today is not going to have a, a, the effect that it should have, uh, no matter how many times I scream it, uh, because, but it is important. It's, it, it governs your whole life. I mean, why throw your life away? Right. You know, and, and that's another interesting thing, I think, about or notable thing about um, the golden flower, you know, uh, system or the golden flower technology is that um, – it doesn't require that you find a guru and and join some group, right? It's like talking almost exclusively about an individual practice um, that that really has to be done. It really has to be done individually. Any of the benefits from this, it has to be done uh, by an individual alone, looking within themselves to 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 really activate these things, but. You know, the fear that people have is that, you know, we all kind of like know at some level, this is me speculating, what a mess we are inside, right? What a what a chaotic like mess it is inside inside here because we have this stream of associations going on in our mind. And most people you try and try and meditate for five minutes and it's like, well, I'm just like thinking of songs or the last show I watched or I'm worrying about what I'm going to do, you know, an hour from now. And you realize what a mess it is in there. And so people start to think that, well, that can't possibly be uh, any consistency in there. However, my my experience has been that if you, you know, this 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 system that's given here in the golden flower, if this is like what if this is like followed and it, you watch long enough within things start to take place, you start to see things you start to like um, have a, have real experiences that are that are are consistent and and to me that's just kind of really fascinating it's it's miraculous really to see that something like that some sort of consistency begins to arise out of all of this well i started meditating in i think around 1971 uh i was living in paris and uh Little by little, it started to, I started to feel these sensations. And I knew that I couldn't get anywhere living in an environment like that. There was just too many, much going on. I had a lot of friends. I was, I was into drugs and uh, other things and just, uh, you know, all, everything was outward bound. But at the same time, I was, I was pulling back and seeing that, beginning to see the value of what I was doing. 
And so I left Paris and went to a, a small town in uh, Languedoc, the the uh, near near uh, Montpellier, in France, in a small house in a small village, and I spent the next uh, nine months there. Uh, and all the time I was thinking, gee, maybe, you know, I can do this, but maybe I need a, a, a not a guru, but a guide. And well, where am I going to find it? And I'm I'm here. I might as well make the uh, try it. And it seems to be going. It seems to be going. That's about all I could say, because the one thing with the secret of the golden flower for me is that I'd never heard the term Kundalini. I never really knew much about any uh esoteric stuff but i did know that uh i i something was happening and that i could i could i could i began to see that i could i could do this by myself and and could you talk about like what your experience i know you write about this uh, what was your experience when you that that moment that moment of the the unlocking so to speak well, little by little, um, I'll try to describe it like like I I have since the beginning, and and of course, uh, you know I I well, as it approached, I was unable to eat for two weeks, unable to sleep for a week, and I I didn't I one time I ate one sesame seed, and it just the energy I had to walk for for an hour and a half just to to encounter uh, uh, in, in, in just to uh, not to digest but just to pl play off the the effects or work off the effects of this one sesame seed and then I came back and uh, so I was, I was, you know, I thought maybe I'll have to commit suicide or go to the hospital, which I knew would be a, a fruitless thing because nobody would understand me. They'd think that I'm, I'm having all kinds of crazy hallucinations, and they'd start injecting me with. Uh, so uh, it it got to the point where I could feel this energy build up in the lower, uh, in the lower belly, and I knew that it was, it was something to do with my meditation that it was some kind of energetic um, construction or energetic um, energy uh, reality that was that I could actually control to the to a certain degree uh, just uh, and I saw that it had the property of movement and it was going down the back and, and the uh, up the front in a kind of a circular way and uh, it, I knew that it had something to do with semen, but that it wasn't semen, but some sort of a of a, a concoction or an uh, an, ex, an essence distilled from semen. And at one point, I remembered the the expression uh, "backward flowing method," and that's when I uh, just I, I I went back to the book for just a, a quick look and I looked uh, at all the instances and, and read through it and and I knew that that was what they were talking about when they mentioned backward flowing method that this energy had this sense of direction and that I should reverse it so that it would go down the front and up the back 
which I just I did. I sat back down in a lotus position and just ordered it. Uh, and I don't know exactly the process, but it worked and it started climbing the spine and <clears throat> a little bit at a time for for a month or so until it burst onto the onto the brain. And then I, I, I don't even want to, to talk about that because my book does a much better job of of it because it's so complex in a way it's it's almost mechanical or inner inner mechanics this whole process there's a a machinery aspect to it that um people who haven't felt it will think oh he's crazy he's talking machine what what is that all about that's nonsense but it is it's like a a machine that uh, um has this it, it's like once you know how you start a, a an outboard motor uh, or a lawnmower uh, it, it's that you you once it's got that first uh, motion is done that it's started it's a gradual opening of all kinds of of uh, uh, well a, a, a network of uh, veins and nerves that are capable of sending, asking for more uh, balancing energy, and uh, that's controlled by the brain. So the brain is 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 constantly taking the inventory of the body and feeling something is wrong there, and sending energy to that point. Because, and and every time it does that, you notice that, or I notice that it's a different part of the brain. That sometimes that somehow controls a part of the body. So you begin to watch this machinery and think, "My God, there, there can't be anything such as death." I mean, we are. I mean, this. It, you know, there's so much more. And then at one point, while this this uh, uh, was taking place, I felt my solar plexus open, and a arc of energy move from my solar plexus to my third eye and outside the body because I, this, I was weakened from having not eaten or slept and at one point it ran, the brain ran, it seemed to run out of energy and like an emergency uh, rescue the solar plexus opened up and a, this force field of energy shot out in an arc trajectory to the brain, which opened like like almost like castanets, and and it, and just sucked in that energy, and then started to spray it on the various parts of the brain. Now, I mean, where do you go from that? You don't you you if you tell somebody, <laughs> they're going to say you're crazy. It, imagine telling a doctor that. Well, maybe in in five hundred years we'll be able to tell our doctors about that because these. Uh, things will become known facts. This other alternate uh, physiology or deeper physiology, these sub uh, subgroups of, of like you know you have the endocrinology, the the artery, all these groups of uh, that that you learn in anatomy class. Well, we're gonna at some point we'll add to that uh, this hidden network, uh, this hidden esoteric network that can be awakened and become instrumental in further development and, and the pursuit of higher consciousness.
you know, here I, I, I have to I have to pause for just a second because um, are, are you familiar with um, Gurdjieff's book, uh, Beelzebub's Tales to His Grandson? No, I haven't read it. So there's a lot of stuff that happens in that book. It's kind of a, a space opera history of history of humanity since prior to the sinking of Atlantis and why humanity is so screwed up. Why humanity, why people can't remember themselves or can't see themselves. But one of the things that he puts in here is that that humanity at one point, basically humanity used to be like what you just described we might be in 500 years. That this unlocking of higher consciousness is just a part of normal our normal development and growing up. Like you go through puberty at one stage and there's this awakening of this other part of the self and then you probably go through this other, uh, another stage where you naturally awaken like your higher sense of consciousness and stuff. But a long time ago, due to certain cosmic, cosmic problems, the forces of the universe intervened with uh, humanity and they installed an organ. And this was because... Uh, there was a, a cosmic, uh, a comet hit the Earth, and, and they were worried the moon was going to get pulled back into the Earth. So in order to fix that problem with energy, right, with ener extra energy to keep the moon in place, they had to make this alteration to human beings. And what they did is they installed a, another organ called Kunda Buffer. Now, Gurdjieff like, ha makes up all these words through this book, right? But for the most part... You know he's making these words up for a reason, and he called this organ Kunda Buffer, and he says it was installed, get this, at the base of the spine, and that prohibited, it, 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 there's one of the main results of this is that people can't see reality accurately anymore. He says they see reality like topsy-turvy, and obviously it prevents any sort of like higher consciousness dissolving from it. So what happened, though, is eventually the moon got stable in its orbit. The energy uh, balance, harmony of the universe and planet Earth is restored. And they said, OK, we don't need it anymore. They took the organ back off. Right. So like it's like almost like a damper, you know, was put on that base of the spine, which is like a, a everything that you're saying about Kundalini and this unlocking is that's a key component right there. He took that off of he took that buffer off of there, and now it's open. But since mankind is so habitual, we've remained in this habit of like not really of just continuing to see things topsy turvy and and not really making efforts. But since the buffer's not there, if we start looking in that direction, that is a possibility, and that's where you know he starts talking about the possibility of man's you know man's possible evolution from there. But as I, th this is another just interesting correspondence, which you're going to hear more and more from me as we like go through this. That there, there has to be something. There has to be something to that, you know. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, brought that up. It, it, it's really interesting. Uh, so, what's the? How do? How do you spell Kunda buffer? Buffer. Kunda buffer. K U N D A. Buffer, B-U-F-F-E-R. Isn't that like a, a isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, right. just the term is like, yeah. And you know, this well, is something that so that, so it, it, so they've gotten so it's it's available, but only on after uh, self research and, and exploration, a self exploration that 
includes something like meditation or some a blow to the head or a, a one-time uh, enlightened uh, instance or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, yeah, that's the impression. I, I mean, get. it it's was like taken that. away. You, right. I, th I thought it, you said it was taken away. Yeah. But it's, it's, it can be there if someone learns about it or makes the effort or, and discovers it because when it happened to me, I wasn't able to put a, uh, a term to it, uh, to a name to it. It was only after a couple of months after that I was back in the, in New York and I went to Weiser's bookstore and this huge bookstore of uh, spiritual uh, books and records and um, tapes and everything. Um, and this was back in 1973 or two um, that I just went through that, that bookstore navigating and just went to this one shelf and right. It just grabbed me Kundalini, the evolutionary energy and man, by Gopi Krishna, and I just go on to the the only book that in the whole store of thousands of books that really pertain to my situation, and so I I got it out. And I almost finished it before I left the store, because now I had a a, a word for what I what had happened to me and a, and and an example, a very close example, uh, from someone who had lived through it the exactly the same way that I did, and that's important because no two Kundalini experiences are exactly the same. And so what I saw in Gopi Krishna was that an the giveaway for me on many people's ex so-called experiences are is what happens after ejaculation. Well, it was a long time after my experience my experience that I was I got involved with a woman because I stayed away from it. Uh, and then finally I did and I had this just physical sense of weakness and and just like uh just all the energy in my body was draining out and gopi krishna uh, tells the same story uh in a situation with his wife where he says i weakened and had a experience and then i was completely weakened and i was looking around for food and the food and he describes his belly as devouring 